Hello everybody, it's Friday again and it's actually really nice weather, it's going to be an awesome weekend, it's a long weekend, so I hope that many of you haven't gone anywhere and are going to be in church on Sunday because it's going to be really nice, so I, I always look forward to seeing all of your faces, so uh, I want to remind you the church is open, so if you want to come on Sunday, uh, it's going to be really nice to see everybody and we're going to have a good time in the Word. And if you don't want to come, I want you to reconsider, and then you must want to come. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Right, so I want to speak about um, the accuser, and uh, I want to start in Matthew, no, not Matthew, I want to start in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. So, um, I mean, this is stuff we say all the time, this is stuff that we repeat all the time. Uh, but I think, you know, if, when we just get to understand who's who in the zoo, <laughs> then uh, it's, it's, you know, good to, so that you can understand your own thoughts and understand your, uh, you know, scriptures and, and things, you know. So if you understand who the accuser is and, and who the savior is, that's a good start because many people, you know, mix the two up. So I want to start in John chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus speaking to people who are acquainted with the law, people who know the law, who study the law, um, they teach the law, they know the law. Okay? Verse 39. You search and investigate and pour over the Scriptures diligently. So it's not like they didn't know the Scriptures. It's not like they didn't read Bible. They read Bible. They knew the Scriptures. Because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me. And still you're not willing but refuse to come to me so that you might have life. And just earlier in John chapter 5 he says, I assure you most solemnly I tell you the person whose ears are open to my words and believes and trusts, links, relies on me, who sent me, has life, has eternal life. And he does not come into judgment but will come uh, not come under condemnation, but has already passed over out of death into life. Verse 24. Okay, so, uh, so in the Scriptures, you will, find, uh, you will find two narratives. You will find Christ the Redeemer, and you will find the Accuser. You will find the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will find the tree of life. If you understand that the intention of what the tree of knowledge of good and evil says is to testify about Jesus that we could come and fulfill it, then the way is open for you to the tree of life. If you understand that the law of Moses, tree of knowledge of good and evil, right, wrong, right, wrong, if you understand that the law of Moses was never designed for you to fulfill it, but it, with the prophets, the law came, and it all testified about Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have life. He is the tree of life. So all of these scriptures get us to a point. They're all important. The law is important. The old covenant is important. But it is so that we can understand Jesus fulfilled it. The scriptures testify about him. So if you read Bible and you're looking for Jesus, you'll find him on every page from Genesis to Revelation. But if you look for yourself and your own flaws, 
you'll find it from Genesis to the Revelation. So uh, that's why I keep on saying it, Second uh, Corinthians 3.15, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies on the awesome mind. So it's, it blinds you. It's like a filter. The only thing is you see yourself, you see a reflection of your own mistakes and your own mess, and you feel condemned, and then you try to atone. Okay? So, but the point is uh, that the Scriptures never testified about you. It testified about Him. So when you look at the law, it was not meant for you. It was meant for Him that would be the sacrifice for the sin of the world. So I've said this many times, but I just want to run through it again. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 13 and Romans chapter 4 verse 15 says more or less the same thing. If there's no law, there's no transgression of it either. And it says, um, sin is not imputed to men's account where there is no law to transgress. So sin had to be punished because sin entered into the world through death and death through sin. Romans 5 verse 12. So sin had to be taken out of the way. But if there's no law... Sin cannot be punished. So the law had to come to punish sin. But no one could do it. Okay, so Jesus came to fulfill the law. If the law didn't come, Jesus couldn't die on the cross because he couldn't take the wrath of the law upon himself. Okay, so Jesus came so that it might fulfill the scriptures. So all the time, you read through the Gospels and says, so that it might be fulfilled, so that it might be fulfilled, so that it might be fulfilled. So he was the fulfillment. He was... It says, Romans 10 verse 4, Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. For in it, in him, the uh, uh, purpose which the law was designed for is accomplished and finished. Okay, so when we look at the law, we need to see the cross. You look through glasses of the cross, like a filter of the cross. Whatever comes through that filter, you can take. Okay, so if you have red sunglasses on, everything looks red. Okay, if you have blue sunglasses on, everything looks blue. If you have the cross sunglasses on, you see the cross everywhere. Okay? So you look through the filter of the cross because this, it, it, it fits perfectly. The law and the prophets was written about him. But without the knowledge of the cross, if you read it, it will deceive you into thinking that you must fulfill it and that you are the, the, um, uh, the Messiah your own Messiah, seeking to establish the righteousness of your own. Okay. All right. So John 5, verse 39, we read, and he says, you search the scriptures diligently. You suppose that you have life through them. Okay. The only way you can get life is to have the Son. It says, the scriptures testify about me, and still you are not willing but refuse to come to me that you may have life. I received not glory from men. I crave no human honor. I look for no mortal fame, but I know and recognize and understand that you have not the love of God in you. Okay, so not all people have the love of God in them. It's not an automatic thing. All the, these funny doctrines that come out, oh, everybody are children of God. No, they're not. Those that believe are. All right, so then he says, verse 43, I have come in my Father's name and with His power, and you do not receive me. Your hearts are not open to me. You give me no welcome. But if another comes in his own name and his own power and with no authority but himself, you will receive him and give him your approval. It's like these days, you know, someone comes sent from God preaching a message. No, 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 no. You don't have a degree from such and such university. <laughs> Much the same. Okay, verse 44. How is it possible for you to believe? 
How can you learn to believe, you who are content to seek and receive praise and honor and glory from one another? And yet you do not seek and praise, uh, seek the praise and honor and glory which come from him who alone is God. Okay, incidentally, um, Romans chapter 2 verse 7 says, those who seek glory and honor, uh, he will give eternal life. Glory and honor and the blessedness of immortality, he will give eternal life. Okay, so glory and honor from God is something that we need to seek. Okay, so, uh, and yet you do not seek praise, honor, and glory from, uh, which comes from him who alone is God. Verse 45, just listen to this. Put out of your minds the thought. Do not suppose, as some of you are supposing, that I will accuse you before the Father. There is one who accuses you. It is Moses, the very one on whom you have built your hopes in whom you trust. For if you believed and relied on Moses, you would believe and rely on me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how then will you believe and trust my teachings? Okay. Don't think that Christ is your accuser, he's your savior, he's your justifier, he's your acquitter, he's your forgiver, he's your healer, he's your blesser, he's your provider, he's not your accuser. So any thought that comes accusing you of wrongdoing in your heart, it's not him. Okay? He's not the accuser. Okay? So I said it before, uh, the Hebrew word, Satan means accuser. Okay? It means accuser. It means uh, adversary. But it means accuser. All right. So he says, there's one who accuses you. Is it Moses? So does that now mean Moses was from Satan? No, for sure not. God sent Moses. God called Moses. God sent Moses. God brought the law to Moses. How then does this whole thing work together? Okay. There was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there was the tree of life. And because Adam and Eve ruled in the garden, they brought knowledge of good and evil to this earth. So they did it. Sin entered into the world and death through sin, Romans 5.12. All right, so now sin and death is in the world. So for God to sort it out, he had to punish sin. So he had to bring the law which accuses now, Romans chapter 7, we've read many times, I'll just quote it. Romans chapter 7, verse 8 says, Sin finds opportunity in the commandment to express itself, for without the law, sin is dead. So sin expresses itself through the commandment, and sin finds its power in the law of Moses. So the law of Moses didn't check the indulgence of the flesh. It caused the indulgence of the flesh. So the law of Moses says you shall not covet, and then you covet. It says you shall not steal, and then all you think about is stealing. And then Paul says in Romans 7, the thing that I don't want to do, I'm always doing. The thing that I want to do, I, I never do. Who will release me from this body of death? Thank God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so the law was never intended for you to live by it and attain your own righteousness. The law was given to crystallize or to manifest sin, to show the sinfulness of sin. So where the law is preached, sin will 
will float to the surface. It will become visible. Okay? Mostly in religious systems, you find the worst things happening, but because of pretense, because of the hypocrisy, the leaven of the Pharisees, it's kept under wraps. Okay? So, is God not merciful? Yes, He's merciful. Does love cover a multitude of sin? For sure, love covers a multitude of sin. But then you have to bring it into the light to Jesus. Not everybody that's going to accuse you to Jesus. So if you bring everything that is in your life to Him, the light drives out the darkness, the blood of Jesus cleanses it, and you're fine. But in a religious system, it's pretend. Pretend to be righteous so your pastor can think you're righteous. Okay? You can just see it at, at a braai, you know. People, you know, they say all kinds of things and they do all kinds of things and then they ask you, what do you do? <laughs> and then suddenly, oh my goodness, I said all kinds. Now they, they're all, you know. So I, said, I just tell them, relax, just be yourself, don't worry. <laughs> just do your thing, okay? So um, you, you see that thing, you know. So um, what I'm trying to say to you is the message that we heard saying you have to be better to make it to heaven is the wrong message. It's the wrong tree. Okay? So people think they have eternal life through it. People think they will die and go to heaven because of it. Morality is not going to get you there, sorry. But the sun gives you life now. Okay? So the sun gives life. If you understand that this book speaks about him, and when you read it and you see him, and you start to realize who he is, you start to learn his character, um, get to know his character. Uh, then transformation happens. If, if your image of who he is changes and you see how good he is. Okay. So um, Moses brought the law. Back to Romans 7, verse 11 says, Sin used the law as a weapon against me and killed me. So the weapon that the accuser uses to bring destruction to your life is the law. But we know Colossians chapter 2 says God disarmed the principalities and the powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display of him and triumphing over them in the cross. Right? So those things have been triumphed over. It's been destroyed. The principality, the power that took the law to accuse you, to bring you to a place of, of condemnation and death, the principality has been disarmed, disarmed, defeated. There's just a blob lying in the corner. Can't do anything but speak. It can lie. So if you believe the long, the long, the long tail, if you believe the wrong doctrine, it's going to put you on a wild goose chase and it's going to cost you years. Okay? But if you understand the cross for what it is, salvation brought to us through the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, redeeming us from the curse of the law and bringing us to the blessing received by faith. So easy. We can just as well believe. Okay? So the accuser, Satan the accuser, uses the good thing that is the law against you to kill you. But the law's purpose was there, and the blinding, it was designed in that way so that Satan would use the law against Jesus to, to attempt to kill him. And that was exactly what he was destined to do. 
Okay? So they tried to get Jesus out of the way. Just listen to that. I've read it before, but listen. Acts chapter 13. Man, they thought they were winning. <laughs> so he says, uh, where are we? Verse 27 says, For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know or recognize him or understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, so they didn't get it. They searched the scriptures diligently, but they didn't understand it. They didn't know what it was talking about. Have actually fulfilled these very predictions by condemning and sentencing him. So what could they possibly have used to condemn him and sentence him? May it, may it be the weapon of the law? Is it possible? And although they could find no cause deserving death with which to charge him, yet they asked Pilate to have him executed and put him out of the way. And when they had finished and fulfilled everything that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up uh, with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they are his witnesses to the people. So now we're bringing you the good news. Okay, so they thought, man, we're going to get this guy out of the way we're gonna kill him because that's all they know how to do is kill him but the whole thing was designed to blind them by the veil of the law so they don't understand what's going on because that's what the prophet said he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquity all the prophets testified of him okay so and they fulfilled it to the last detail being blinded by the very thing that they thought they were you know they thought they were winning. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 2. He says... No, I'm in chapter 1, sorry. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8 says, None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this. So they didn't understand the scriptures. They didn't understand it. They didn't have the revelation. For if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you see it? It had to be kept hidden. The mystery which was kept hidden for ages and generations has now been revealed to the saints, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Colossians 1, 26, 27. So that, it, it had to be, the purpose of God had to be hidden, and it was hidden through the law. Okay, the veil of the law. Okay, so uh, let's just go to 2 Corinthians 4 quickly. Second Corinthians chapter 4, he says, verse 4, For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds. Okay, what did, what did Jesus say in John chapter 5, verse you know, 43, 44, 45, 46? He said, if you believed the writings of Moses, you would have believed me because he wrote about me. God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds. So if you knock faith, you will be blind spiritually. That they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. So... Imagine you're so blind that you can't even see light. 
For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves merely as servants for your sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge and the majesty and the glory of God, as it is manifest in the, in the person and revealed in the face of Jesus. So when you read the scriptures, you look into the mirror of the word, the glass of the word, and you see him. And you don't see you when you read it. You see him. Man is a completely different picture. Okay? So we, it, the glory is revealed in the face of Jesus. Then we see the glory reflected. 3 verse 18, we are changed into his very own image. Okay. So the God of this world blinds. So the accuser using the law to accuse you to kill you will blind you from seeing the light. That's not the truth. Preaching the law is the opposite of the truth. It's the greatest deception. It's the God of this world. The God of this world is, Satan is involved, but it's not Satan per se. It's Satan using the law to blind people and to accuse people. Okay? But we know Colossians 2. God disarmed the principalities. No more armament, no more weapon, made a bold display of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Okay, so there's no weapon. Uh, Isaiah 54, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. So he created the smith who blows on the coals to make a weapon for its purpose. What's the weapon? The law. What's the smith that blows on the coals? The mountain that's ablaze with fire, Moses. Come down the mountain, there's the weapon. Satan used the weapon to kill you. God has armed him. Okay. Because the weapon had to kill Jesus. Zechariah 13. Awake, O sword, and slay the shepherd. So what's the sword? It's the law. And the sheep shall be scattered. We have sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. But the Lord has made to light upon him the iniquity of us all. John chapter 12. What's the time? Okay, John chapter 12 says, Okay. Verse 31, it's a very misunderstood scripture. Now, the judgment of this world is coming. Coming on. Sentence is now being passed on this world. Right. So what's the context? What's he now talking about? What's the narrative? It's judgment. Okay? Now, the ruler, the evil genius, the prince of this world, or the principalities, or the god of this world, shall be cast out. <clears throat> that's a nice thing. He's cast out. That means there's no accusing voice in heaven. Okay? Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8, Hebrews 10, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Okay. And if, and I, if and when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, the phrase lifted up refers to being crucified. Okay? 
when I'm lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw and attract, it's translated, all men to myself. The, the Amplified says Gentiles as well as Jews. But if we read the King James, he says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And the men is in italics. So the men was put in by the translators. It's in italics. So that means it's not in the original text. So it reads like this. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all unto me. So what's that all? What's the narrative? Judgment. Did he draw all men to him on the cross? No. We all have sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. Awake a sword and slay the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Only John stood there. The rest were all gone. Everyone ran away. He didn't draw everyone to him on the cross. Everyone turned their face away, says Isaiah 53. So he didn't draw all men to him on the cross. But he did draw all judgment to him on the cross. Okay, so This is something that I... Heard from Prophet Kovas van Okay, So he said this to signify in what manner he would die. What's the death? Judgment of sin on his body. Okay. So they said, we have learned from the law that Christ is to remain forever. How then can you say the Son must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said, you will have the light only a little while longer. While you have the light, keep on living by it so the darkness may not overtake and overcome you. He who walks, by, who walks about in the dark does not know where he goes. He's drifting. So what's the darkness? Well, if the law blinds you, you're in darkness. If, you know, the eye is the lamp of the body. If, that eye is, if the, the eye is darkened, how dense is that darkness? If the veil is there, there's darkness. We know that... Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 3 says, the, the glory that was to fade and pass away. If the glory passed away, there's darkness. So who's the ones dwelling in darkness? Those that's trying to establish a righteousness of their own by religious activity. Okay. So the light and the darkness. Remember what we read in Acts chapter 24. God sent Paul into the world to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness the, um, to light from the power of Satan to the power of God. So what's the power of Satan? O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. First Corinthians chapter 15, round about verse 63 thereabout. Okay, so same thing, Romans chapter 7, verse 11. Uh, no, verse 8, he says... Uh, Sin finds opportunity in the commandment to express itself, for without the law, sin is dead. The sense of it is inactive and a lifeless thing. All right. So darkness is the preaching of the law. <clears throat> because it, it gives a weapon to the accuser. But now the accuser doesn't have the right to wield that weapon. So he, he lies to us. And we actually condemn ourselves by using his weapon. He gets us, who has the authority, to accuse ourselves with wrong understanding of the covenant. If we can just see that Jesus fulfilled it. If we can just see that the atonement has completely been made for our sins. We can stand before God and we know we are completely justified, washed clean, made righteous, holy, blameless, spotless before God. 
We've received the Holy Spirit. We have the light. We're dwelling in the light. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. <laughs> There's nothing to fear. Okay. So, uh, in heaven, there's no accusing voice. There's no record of any wrong that you've done. Even 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says it. Love does not uh, hold account of wrong done to it. God is love. So there's no record of anything wrong that you've done if you're a believer. Why? Because your conscience is cleansed from dead works and lifeless observances. All those dead works washed away. No record. It's just gone. You've been acquitted. You've been washed. You've been made holy. You've been made righteous. Jesus is not your accuser. The accuser has been cast out. He has no access to the secret place. But you have access to the secret place. When you dwell there, man, Romans 8 verse 31, if God is for us, what shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold his son, but freely gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely give us all other things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? If it is God who justifies. Come on, man. Who's going to accuse you before God? God justified you. He, he became your sacrifice. He became your high priest. He became the advocate pleading. He became the judge. What else must he do? <laughs> There's no accusation in heaven. So before God, you are blameless, spotless. He presented you, Colossians 1, blameless and spotless before the Father in love. Out of darkness into his marvelous light, First Peter 1. Okay, First Peter 2. All right, so I hope this has done something for you. When you hear that accusing voice, just realize it's cast out. It's a lie. Don't think of it. Meditate on the blood of Jesus. If you still struggle, take communion. Meditate on the blood. Meditate on the body. Understand, this is the sacrifice. My sins have been atoned for. There's no uh, condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right? So, let me greet you. <laughs> uh, I see five watching on YouTube, but no one is saying anything. But I'm saying something. Hello, bless you. Okay. There's Rob. Hello, Rob. Bless you. And um, Ishmael. Hey, there's Nick who says hello. Okay. So, <laughs> hello. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so hello, Rob. It's good to see you. And Ishmael and Taniyuki, bless you. Marietta and Pavesi, Genida da and Marlot. It's good to see all of you there. Love you guys. Hope you have an amazing day and an amazing weekend. Uh, we'll see you again on Sunday morning at 9.30 if you're going to watch live. Um, but if you can, please come to the service. It's really going to be awesome. All right. Be blessed. Have an awesome day.